0: What's up everybody, welcome back to another episode of Keeping Stock. I'm your host Julian Gray, and we've got another interesting one this week. Something that has become more and more prominent in the sneaker culture is a former hobby from the 80s and 90s that is continuing to take off and hit record highs. However, before we get into today's episode on trading cards in the sports cars market and how... Sneakers can take something away from this rise in what they're doing. I just want to remind you, Keeping Stock is a weekly sneaker podcast uploaded on your favorite platform every Sunday in 20 to 30 minute episodes. So make sure to follow and subscribe now and let's get into it. It's more than likely that during the pandemic, if you're on social media, Instagram or Twitter, You've seen something in relation to the recent surge and boom in the sports card market, whether it be Zion rookie cards, Giannis, Mike Trout, Mbappe, all sports continuing to crush in sales and volume and just general interest over the past three to four months. And this surge realistically started in about 2016. And in current situations, is continuing to take off at speeds unknown to the hobby before. because you can see, sports cards and their collecting have really been around since the 80s and 90s as a legitimate hobby and some value put behind it. Prior to that, people were collecting sports cards because they liked that memorabilia. They liked those players. However, due to lack of transparency, overproduction and just the general state of unknowing on the manufacturer and distributor's end, that bubble bursts very similar to the Beanie Baby bubble burst in the late 90s. It ran into the greater fool theory. If you remember Dylan Dietrich talking about that in our podcast, is that people were buying cards in the 80s and 90s, hoping that someone else was going to pay a little bit more. However, that lack of transparency and oversaturation in the market Soon showed that if you had a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card and you thought you were one of a thousand people, turned out there was 20,000 and there's no value in those cards. So, for a short time, the bubble burst and individuals at that point started to simply collect just what they liked, make small profits here and there, but nowhere near what we see today. What you have to understand with these cards is that they act as a piece of your childhood or historical moments and creates a connection with you as the consumer or the buyer of that card. Maybe you're looking for your favorite athlete when you were a 10-year-old now that you have a little bit of money. Or maybe you're looking to capture that nostalgia from that era or the bad boy Pistons or Babe Ruth and Jackie Robinson. It essentially functions as a piece of art for the new generation rather than buying something For a few thousand dollars as a painting, today people are buying cards that resonate with them in limited quantities and exclusivity to share and tell a story about or collect or invest and resell. And with the recent stay-at-home orders, that interest has grown so much that records are being smashed across the board. A Mike Trout rookie card sold for $3.9 million dollars. Something if you would have told someone in the 90s that a a card was going to go for that price, they thought you may have been insane, especially for a modern player who has no World Series rings. In addition, we saw LeBron rookie card go for $1.8 million. Astronomical figures. We aren't even seeing sneakers do that number. We saw the Jordan 1s, as we talked about last episode, going for $600,000. For someone who is in the Hall of Fame and considered to be one of the greatest players of all time. But Mike Trout and LeBron James are still active, and their rookie cards are fetching millions of dollars. So much so that if you look at the PWCC, which is equivalent to the S&P 500 for the trading card market, they saw a return on investment of 175% over the past 12 years, while the SP 500 returned. right? These numbers may fluctuate because of the recent surge in astronomical prices that have been paid for trading cards, but that's part of the investment. And you may be wondering why are they getting so big again? What is pushing this growth? What is driving this hype? I think if you look at it, it's simple. There's a very low barrier to entry. You have to be able to find a pack of cards and buy them for $40 sixty dollars if they're in stock which we'll get to talking about shortly it's easy to understand it's not complex like shoes or the stock market you buy what you like you find a player you like if that player is playing good consistently is in the public eye the value of that player is rising thus you look at zion and his potential his cards and those prices are rising john morant wins rookie of the year his cards continue to rise. And strictly from the investment standpoint, which a good portion of people in trading cards at this point in time are getting into, is for the investment return. Say you do buy a general pack for $40, $60, $80, and you happen to pull a limited edition card autograph from an up-and-coming player, and that card is fetching $2,500, $600, A very quick return on investment. And in this case, we're talking sports cards basketball, baseball, football, hockey, soccer. However, the card market across the board is booming. Pokemon, Yu Gi Oh!, Magic the Gathering cards fetch insane prices. In this case, we're going to continue to look at sports cards, but it's across the board, so I'm sure it'll pique any of your interest. I mean, go look for your favorite player or your favorite Pokemon, whatever it may be, and see what prices those are fetching on the likes of eBay or what they're fetching on StockX, who's in the trading card market, or PWCC auctions and things of that nature. In addition to that easy and low barrier to entry, simple understanding the returns available, there's also that small gambling aspect, right? They have case breaks, An individual can do it, a group of friends can do it, companies do it as a whole. Essentially what a case break is, is you pay for a slot, whether that slot is $30, $50, $100, whatever may be charged based on the type of pack they're breaking, and they assign you a team. So if it's an NBA team, they assign you randomly one of the teams, or maybe two of the teams. Maybe they give you... The thunder in the west, and they give you the heat in the east. So now you paid your slot, and if you a thunder card is pulled, that is your product. So you can see why the gambling aspect. If you give fifty dollars, sixty dollars, and you happen to pull the pelicans or the grizzlies or the mavericks or the bucks with high-profile players, and they. Happen to pull an autograph from one of those players or a variant of one of those players, you could instantly see a 10 or 20x return on your investment. Further, why it's becoming to get so big is that those companies learned from their mistakes in the 80s and 90s. They understood they oversaturated the market. Now there's more transparency. They're better utilizing tech to serve the consumers and help drive this secondary market. Because at the end of the day, It's great for them. Yeah, people are making crazy returns, but think about all the people who are getting cards that have zero to no value in them. It works the same for the company. They're sell out of packs. Some people are gonna make a return. They're gonna come back and buy more. You have a customer lifetime value. So now with that very 10,000 foot overview of trading cards and sports cards, I wanted to touch on the fun part here. What sneakers could learn from the trading card industry. The first idea that I thought would be super exciting and super fun as a collector would be to introduce memorabilia into sneaker purchases. As you know, you can get cards that have autographs, jersey pieces, pieces of the game ball, among other things. So imagine you go to adidas.com and they've set up a special product you have the Damien Lillard 7 in the general release, and then you have Damien Lillard 7 exclusive. And that exclusive version is $25 more than the general release pair. When you purchase that exclusive version, no refunds available, you see the colorway of the shoe, say it's just a black and white Lillard 7 for $25 more, but there is the potential that you receive an autograph on the shoe or on both shoes. You receive game worn shoes. Maybe it's from a special moment. Maybe it's just from any other game, but you get those shoes with authentic verification. Imagine how sweet that would be as a sneaker enthusiast and collector, right? Is that you purchase a pair of Lillards, say that you buy a size 9, you get your size 9, and then they also happen to send a game worn pair to you, or your size 9 has been. Signed by Lillard. It just adds another level of flavor to the sneaker game in your collection. Because at the end of the day, once you start growing your collection over 25, 50, 100 pairs, none of those are signed in most cases. So it's fun to add that connection and closer tie to the player or that shoe or the story behind it, given that option. In addition, it could be interesting if Stock X or GOAT Instituted a grading platform for used shoes or even dead stock shoes. Right now, StockX only functions on dead stock shoes and verifies them. Goat, you can buy used shoes from. When you look at sports cards in their lane, you're looking at their grading platforms. Essentially, what is happening is if you get a limited variant 10 of 10, 15 of 15, whatever it may be. A card that you think is worth getting inspected, you submit to PSA or BGS or SGC, which are all card grading companies. You send it to them for a small fee, $50, $75, $100, and they verify that card and rate it on a scale of 1 to 10. If the image on that card is slightly off-centered, you're going to lose a potential grading point if the corners are bent, if there's damage to the card, the overall condition, then they'll send it back to you. You get a gem mint 10, the highest rating you can get, that card's value goes up substantially over a card that hasn't been graded. So when we pivot to look at sneakers, could you imagine if instead of brand new shoes, they instituted a way to authenticate and verify used shoes and give them a rating? I know it is tough and this is a stretch, but say you wore a shoe once or twice, you submit it into StockX or any grading platform, they rate the shoe based on its wear, its tear, the materials, glue stains, all of these things, and then send it back to you with a rating. I mean, now that I say it out loud, what if it was just for new shoes rather than having to send it to StockX and then getting it verified once it's sold what if they got the shoe you got the union air jordan 4 submitted it and they said wow this is a perfect union air jordan 4 and submitted that verification logged it with blockchain technology so that that couldn't be changed so now that you know your shoe you have is the perfect condition as opposed to your friend submits a pair and his has some glue stains or frayed edges and he gets an eight out of 10. How does this play with the retailers? A little tough, but that's part of the factor of submitting it to get graded in your purpose. Because if you wanna sell that shoe for a higher value, having that authentication or verification could add an extra 100, $200. But overall, the most intriguing idea I came up with to have sneakers benefit from the sports card industry, is adding the exclusive product element to sneakers. We used the Lillard 7 as an example before. Now let's use a Nike example. The LeBron 18 comes out, and like the Lillard 7, you have the regular general release LeBron 18, and then you have LeBron 18 Special Edition, or EP, exclusive product. And that one is $50 more, $60 more, however you want to price it. Once again, non-refundable, but you purchase this exclusive product similar to the memorabilia aspect. Maybe you could lump it in together. This exclusive product gives you the ability to win a redemption. Maybe that's a redemption for sneakers. Maybe you bought that LeBron 18 and they give you a redemption card for one sneaker, guaranteed sneakers win in the next six or 12 months, right? So now you bought a $220 or $280 LeBron 18. You've now won that sneakers pass to pick up your favorite release coming up and it's on the house or it's 50% off or you just have the ability to purchase it, right? They could play with that in any regards. Now, if that Travis Scott, Off-White, Fragment, Union, whatever limited collaboration comes out, You could use that redemption card to purchase and order the shoe early through your sneakers app. That's just one way they could go. What if they gave you a specific two of two colorway of that sneaker? We know LeBron has many player exclusives that are one of one to him, but what if you got another pair? They gave him a special pair for Christmas Day that didn't release to the public. From the LeBron 18 you purchased earlier, You won a pair in your size that only you and LeBron James own. Could be absolutely astounding to have that in your collection. Absolutely priceless. Just a way for Nike to connect with a consumer. Or third option, the gold ticket. This gold ticket works as you get a trip to Nike World Headquarters. They let you come to the campus, tour, go to the elusive employee store, and just have that experience, talk to your favorite designers, understand Nike's history, or anything in between, a special Nike event, All-Star Weekend, Courtside for the Dunk Contest, all of these limited and exclusive golden tickets that they could come out with, just from, instead of having the general release version for $220, you gambled and bought the $280 version of the exclusive product, just to see if you'd win. This kind of works similar to what sports cards do with redemptions. Sometimes you'll get a blank card that says, you get this specific signed card, send it into to us, and we'll send it to you shortly. Or they do golden tickets to go to Cooperstown, the Baseball Hall of Fame. I mean, the ideas there and options are limitless. It's a great way for Nike to gain a little bit more profit and revenue from a signature sneaker, which we already talked about is the best-selling sneaker in the NBA in this instance. It gives them an opportunity to connect with the consumer at a further level. Imagine if you do get that autograph or game-worn shoes or one-of-one with LeBron or that sneakers access, you're going to feel more connected to that brand. These are just ideas from me, Julian, at Keeping Stock. So if you do see them come out, maybe I helped influence a little bit. But I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on that idea of buying sneakers and getting exclusive access or products or autographs or game-worn shoes from your favorite companies. That's where sneakers can benefit from the sports card industry. If you guys enjoyed this episode at the 10,000-foot view of sports cards or the exciting opportunities that Nike could take advantage of, let me know on social. As always, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to get back to some cool content. Keeping Stock can be found on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, and much more. Make sure to like us, favorite, or rate us on your favorite podcast platform, along with following Keeping Stock. That way you can be notified each and every Sunday when a new episode is uploaded, and you're in touch for the newest content, potential giveaways, and interviews. So make sure to follow us on your favorite platform. And we are back with some cool content. More of a think piece here. Zion's rumored signature shoe with Jordan brand, the Jordan Z Code. I'm going to stop it right there. Mike Sykes and I talked about this issue being under Jordan brand or being under the Curry brand, is that Zion's signature shoe is labeled the Jordan Z Code, which from someone who may not be knowledgeable about professional basketball or who Zion Williams is, they may think that the Z Is just used as some fun play for the model? And is it too early for Zion to get a signature shoe? You can make the pros and cons either way. I think that from my perspective, yeah, it may be a little bit early to give Zion his own signature shoe without a full season and see if you want to put all of your chips in that basket. However, you are making that gamble, just like how we talked about the sports card industry. This could pay off a ton. The Z code could be one of the top performance models in basketball. But my worry is that Zion is such a unique player in terms of body size and athleticism that I'm curious to see what this shoe looks like, what it weighs, the functionality, because I think it aligns with LeBron in that style of play. But LeBron's been so solidified that players of that style have been choosing LeBron's. But when you look at more slender guards, they typically aren't playing in LeBron's. And even in forwards, they're playing in Paul George or what Tatum's playing in. The size and the materials and the weight that may be utilized for Zion to not blow out of the shoe or put too much stress on his body or rip and perform at the highest ability is going to be interesting. I think a gamble at this point that Jordan Brand is considering taking is Luca. I think Luca gives you that option as he's shown his consistency, he's shown his growth, he's performing at the highest levels. He has the American market and the European market easily. You don't have to do a ton of marketing for that to be successful. And he seemed to have won the opinion of a lot of the NBA fans. However, we'll see once this Jordan Z code releases in 2021, which is the rumor date Does this turn into the why not style shoe that's happening for Westbrook's signature shoe that you often forget about because it's under Jordan brand? Or does it take its own route like Carmelo or Chris Paul? I'm not sure why they didn't want to use Zion's name on the signature here in just Z code, and maybe that's them hedging their bets to say that if it doesn't perform the way they intended to, it wasn't supposed to be Zion's signature shoe. But We don't know that as outsiders looking in. Let me know what your thoughts are on Zion getting a signature shoe so early on. I know we've seen in the past with LeBron, Kobe, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, but is Zion the right choice right now? And once again, you guys, no upcoming releases, unfortunately, I am still out of office, but I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode or gave you some thought pieces on where sneakers could be going and how they could connect with the consumer or just about where Zion and Jordan brand could be heading. As always, I appreciate your time and I'll catch you next week.